You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. once said suffer little children but you won't have to because intervision just released the best sov movie you will see all year i'm mike d and you are listening to t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d the t-h-e stands for the and this is the shot on video podcast man and look hey listen we are sitting here tonight celebrating the beginning of season mother fucking three. That is right. That is correct. Wait, we are done. Isn't season five? Season five? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, no, no, no. I, I definitely know how to count. One, two, three, four, five. No, I got it. Well, our, I mean, our last episode, you know, we, we did video violence one and two. When and was that, that was the. That was like August, I think. Oh. But that was but that was the beginning of season two, exciting season two, and then now but you not know season it's been... three. No, this is season three. We're beginning season three right now. I gotta go. What? Fine. All right. Fine. Fuck it. It's season five. Yes. You are listening to the season premiere of season five of T H E S O V P O D. The T H E stands for. The and this is the shot on video podcast, the premier podcast of Screaming Pods Network, the number one purveyor of fine podcasts in this world. I am Mike D, as I said before, but joining me now forever and always is Brad Fucklesuck Henderson. How are you, buddy? Uh, pretty good, but it's not always because remember that time you like kicked me out of the show and you recorded with different people and they pretended to be me. I did not kick you out of the show. Oh. You you decided that you were this jet-setting fucking Hollywood mogul that was going to go watch Disaster Artist or whatever eight months before the rest of us could. So you went and did that, and you ate taquitos or what the fuck ever in parking lots throughout the greater Texas area. And you know what? Work continues. You got to clock in. If you're not there, I could pay someone else to be Brad Fucklesuck Henderson. I did a lot of cocaine during that time. I love the cocaine. Period. I love the cocaine. Do you like buck cherry bread? Um, you know, I don't really care for buck cherry, but I actually like that song. You love the cocaine? Yes. And it called Do lit think- up in the song. Lit up. Lit, lit up. Yeah, on Woodstock '99, on the the live album they did for Woodstock '99, uh, Josh Todd, the lead singer of Buck Cherry, he gets on the the mic and he goes, "I see ya." This thing started out being a weekend thing. You know, couple lines on Friday night. Wasn't gonna hurt anybody. Then I made it to Sunday. Sunday turned to Monday. Monday turned to April. Hot dogs and a fifth motherfucker. Lit up like a 
fucking light bulb! And then it goes... do they think they are for taking Chuck Berry and just switching the letters? What a, what a bunch of douchebags. Uh, can we move on? I, I, I had I had some I had a bad incident at Woodstock 99. I really don't want to talk about it. Were you at Woodstock 99? Yes, I was. Me neither. All right. Today on the show, we will be talking about Intervision's release of Suffer Little Children from 1983. But before we get to that, we are going to talk briefly about the 1992 mega super not blockbuster Hell Roller. Now look, hey, listen, maybe you haven't seen Hell Roller. Well, pa- I don't know. Pause the fucking podcast and go watch it. It's on the YouTube right now, and you could you could catch up there. But you do need to be purchasing Suffer Little Children through Intervision, uh, an imprint of Severn Films, to enjoy that fine film. Before we jump into the show. Brett, we, we do have to catch up. We haven't spoken since August uh, 2018. How have you been, brother? Um, I've been well. I've watched Hell Roller every day since uh, August because that was going to be our next show. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little tired of it. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk about that uh, that fatigue a little bit later. Cool. Other than that, though, you're doing well. You love the cocaine. You love the cocaine. Yeah, I'm... I'd honestly, I'd rather be listening to Buck Cherry right now. Do, how many lyrics do you know from Lit Up by Buck Cherry? Um, on the couch! On the bed. bed! I love the cocaine! I love the cocaine! I'm all I, up again! <laughs> on the couch! Yeah. On the bed! In my bed! <laughs> and yes, I'm all lit up again! Flying! I love the cocaine. Lit up I like a light cocaine. bulb. Lit up like a fucking light bulb. Who do you think's better, Buck Cherry or Alien Ant Farm? Um, see, I'm I I. There's a few songs by Alien Ant Farm that I really <laughs> enjoy, so I can't like I don't know if I'm exposing myself in uh-huh. uh huh. Well, because you know you ever you ever talk about a band and then you're like, oh man, I really like them, but then you find out like they're the laughing stock. But I mean. You know, I, aside from like Smooth Criminal, uh, Criminal, they had like uh, <laughs> movies, which was one of my favorite songs, and then they had that song right. Wish. Um, they had a song called Glow that's really good, uh-huh. um, and 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 I I enjoyed enjoyed that, and they're actually I think they're coming back too, right? Because I think they a- Alien announced... Ant Farm. I thought that fucking guy jumped off a roof and broke his neck, and isn't he paraplegic now? Shouldn't he be in a Hell Roller? 
to kind of clear the air, you know, yeah. and then you see someone, you want to hug them. And yeah. we've been through a lot, man. I, I broke my neck in a bus crash and on tour in Spain with these guys, you know, went through my recovery. Um, just, you know, we've gone through some gnarly stuff that just like, oh, F you, I'm out of here is not going to be the end of, of our relationship this, together. This bus crash in Spain, the driver was actually killed in this yeah, crash, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, here we go. Well, let's dive into Hell Roller. Our star <laughs> of Hell Roller is the guy from Alien Ant Farm. Um, it is, it, it's literally about a singer from a band that covered Smooth Criminal uh, who becomes a serial killer in a wheelchair. Okay, Brad, are you okay? Are you okay, Bradley? All right, let's jump in. I want to do the the menu really quick, and then uh, let's uh, let's get Hell Roller out of the way because I know you're looking so forward to that. But uh, usually on T H E S O V P O D, the P O D stands for what? Payable on death. Yes, P O D. They used um, to be on the the Oz tour, the Oz Fest. Oh Remember yeah, and, and and they turn their back to the crowd. And they play to a big picture of Jesus, and then they get yeah, yeah, the yeah. stage. No, this is like no, for sure. This is Sean Durager shit with like the uh, the like pseudo Christian bands that are doing all the cocaine and fucking all the girls. But then they're like, but we love Jesus. Yeah, and they, they had that the- uh, South Side going down the South Side with a kickball play. <laughs> And they Florida's had that, gotta be fucked up, but you know all this and they stuff. Got, and they got a, that other popular song, I, Alive, like, I feel so alive! For, for the, the very first time! Yeah, yeah. Shit. And I think I can fly! Oh, God, oh, that's I so that funny. song. That's, that's probably Daddy Dreger's, like, jam, though, to be honest. With Fuck you. those guys. They all look the same. Like, if, if there was a lineup whoa, whoa. of, like, the lead singer of P.O.D. and the lead singer of Stained, could you tell them apart? Aaron Lewis and the lead singer of P.O.D., yes. Mm-hmm. Aaron Lewis was bald, and I think the lead singer of P.O.D. had dreadlocks. Oh, that's true. And Aaron Lewis had the, the droopy eyebrow because of the, uh, the the piercing, right? <laughs> sure. We're talking a lot about 90s music rather than actual movies. Well, and hey. Since this, this is, is premiere of season five, I think we should This get is season into... five. We've been doing this for five years now. So we could we could talk about whatever we want, you know. Established We're brands established, do that. Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right, dinner and a movie. Ready? Sure. Beans cue, and cue that song. Cue, cue the song. Do it. You sing it. Beans and cornbread. That's how I got. Beans and cornbread. You say cornbread or cornbread? Cornbread. Yeah, you're from the south. That's right. Cornbread. <laughs> Brad, today we're watching right. Suffer Beans Little Children and Hellroller. Let's just do our, our pairings up front. They're both relatively uh, short films. We're going to get our snacks uh, all prepared before we, we pop in our double feature. What are we doing, buddy, and why? Um, well, I figured since this is the big premiere of our uh, fifth year, I'm going to pull out a, uh, a dish that I fixed a, a couple times, I don't like to spoil myself with this, but um, what I like to do is I like to take a um, 
basically um, uh, like the caramel and maple syrup. Okay, and uh, grab <laughs> okay. some uh, um, uh, pecans. All right, and and put them over a bowl of popcorn, and then drizzle the maple syrup and the caramel over that. It's a little messy, but it's pretty good. Holy shit! Yeah, that's intense, man. It's, All right, it's, it's so very intense. Okay, you're going you're going sweet. I'm gonna go savory, and uh, I have also been saving this for our fifth year. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Not many podcasts uh, see 10 episodes, let alone, what are we on, like 18 in five years? So uh, yeah. we have that going for us. But um, here's what I'm whooping out, buddy, to use uh, your turn of phrase. I am whooping out something so spicy and delicious. I want to go with jalapeno artichoke dip, bought specifically through uh, Safeway or Vons, Okay. I want to get that shit to a a good room temp, and then I want to dip in that thin-cut pretzel crisps that are everything bagel-flavored. Mmm. Oh, buddy, you get the salt, you get the garlic, and then you dip it into that sweet, fine, creamy artichoke dip that's laced with jalapenos. Nothing beats that. Jalapenos. our, our snack looks pretty light when you you look at it out on the table, but man, that is going to keep us satiated for the uh, the three hours that we're watching these two pictures. Mm. Want to jump into it, buddy? Yeah, I, I think I think honestly, I mean, I can't just eat popcorn. I would have to have nachos with this because I think these are nacho movies. No. Yeah. What what did the what did the burrito say to the taco when the taco said? Hey, are you depressed? Um, I don't know. It's nacho business. Damn, that's a good one. And then, and then, what did the taco say again? He said, "Do you want to talk about it?" No. All right. So first up, we're going to talk about 1992's Hell Roller. Mm. I'm going to play clips from Hell Roller. I have the whole movie. I, have the whole, I ripped it, and actually you could probably hear some of it in the background right now, but I don't give a shit. We're just talking over it. I think it's public domain. I don't know. Who owns the rights to Hellroller? Uh, I have no idea. Probably the producers. Okay. But also the entire public, because it's on YouTube. YouTube.com backslash Hellroller. Brad, how did you first come to learn about Hellroller? Um... Well, my dog is going fucking crazy right now, so I think she might have to go outside. Oh, yeah? Potty? Huh? Oh, okay, yeah, that's what it is. All right, we're going to hold this. You just sing or talk about Hell Roller, and then we'll come back and uh, do the rest. Did, so did you get to save the other part of the recording? Yeah, it saves automatic automatically. Yay! There's like 
so much in there. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with my dog. Oh. So, anyways. Um, Alright, yeah. Um, let's just jump back into it. Hellroller, 1992. Brad, when did you first become aware of Hellroller? Um, I think I became aware of Hellroller because there was a company that put it out. So, 92? Mm-hmm. I think I saw it um, probably like around 2000, so 92, 2013. I saw a DVD um, of it called the 21st Anniversary or something. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I think it was a bootleg. And, um, yeah, that's when I first saw it, and I was uh, uh, not thrilled. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is... Uh, folks listening to the show don't know this, but Brad and I, <laughs> we accidentally said Hellroller was going to be like... Not accidentally. We said it very much on purpose. But we said, oh, we're going to cover Hell, Hellroller next. And I think we also said Suffer Little Children around the same time. But then Brad rewatched Hellroller, and... That's like so much disdain, like through the uh, the texting machine and the phone calls, where I'm like, "We're doing Hellroller next," and Brad's like, "Fuck, ugh, yeah, ugh," and then uh, he's like, "When can you record?" I'm like, "Anytime, buddy." He's like, "I don't ever want to record again." What is it about Hellroller, brother? Um, so I enjoy shot on video films for. For many different reasons. And Hellroller... The thing is, is you can have a, a poorly made movie. You can have a bad movie, what it's called. You can have an awful movie. But the one thing I hate is just boring movies. And that's kind of what Hellroller is. Is that... If you told me, hey, there's a horror movie out there with a guy in a wheelchair that kills people... That sounds very exciting to me. That's a plot that seems interesting. Um, and with Hellroller, especially having like Michelle Bauer and um, um, what was uh, uh, Mary, Mary Warnock? Yeah, I mean, having those two people in it, you would think there would be something substantial or memorable. But there's so many things that you know we complain about about film, but with shot on video films, like, like even the the focusing and the camera work are awful in Hellroller. Um, at times, the camera zooms into nothing. Um, the camera floats around. Uh, they use the the internal mic on the camera. It sounds like to record the entire film. Um, but mainly, all the kills are off screen. Uh, it's just, it, there's just so much just boringness to the film to where it doesn't make it worth any, any, anything or even your time. And it's upsetting because there's so, on the back side, you're like, oh, Mary Warnoff and Michelle Bauer want a shot on video movie? Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's about a, it's also a satanic killer in a wheelchair killing people. That sounds amazing. But then once you actually get into it, it's like, and the movie starts, 
there's a lot of just fucking talking and kills off screen in this movie to make it even like remotely watchable. And like I said, man, you can have a bad movie, you can have an awful movie, you can have, you know, uh, I, I, I watch that shit all the time, because some of it's entertaining, but I don't like boring movies. Yeah. No, it, it is It is very boring, um, which is, again, like Brad said, it's not a, a critique that we like to put lightly on some of these, um, you know, independently financed, like, passion projects, but... Uh, the interesting thing to me, because you said the thing about Mary Warnup being in the movie in particular, and I, I had the same reaction when I saw she was in it too. Um, but since I had seen Hellroller, I had since talked to a director that was working with Mary Warnup, like at the time that she would have made, you know, Hellroller, say. And uh, I was like, wow, that's amazing, because I was kind of starstruck that this guy, like, wrote and directed a movie and got Mary Warnup to be in it. And he goes, I go, how? You know how did how did you lock her in? Like how'd you do it? He's like, we had lunch, and then she's like, yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. So <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how Mary Warnov ends up in Hellroller. You know, she because she's like far and away just like an artistic weirdo herself, and like wants to partake in these things and have fun and get the get the experience as well. But the thing that I do like about Hellroller, if we have to say something nice, Brad, oh, is it gives us. It gives me something I really like, which is that cinema verite. Uh, well, obviously the shot on video aesthetic, but it shows us almost shot on video documentary footage of downtown LA, particularly uh, Hollywood, in the early uh, 1990s. Like it opens up with you know shots of man's Chinese theater, <laughs> and it's it's very much like a. Uh, uh, vacation travelogue, you know, of the director or whatever, where you see people like putting their hands in, you know, Gene Kelly's hands or whatever. Before, you know, of course, cuts to an alleyway with a very angry <laughs> hell roller going through a dumpster, mumbling about his life. But I, I will always love that about SOV movies, where if nothing else, you get this cinema verte look at like what was happening in that environment on video at that time which get, uh, in in my opinion it gives you a much more uh clear like documentary look at uh those places mm. you know another thing who's the there's a porn star in it too that was popular at the time um uh i think it was Hyapatia um I think that's how you pronounce her first name. Hyapatia Lee. I don't know, man. I don't work for Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, you don't? No. Do you? Uh, you know, I do I do some work. But yes, um, <laughs> Hyapatia Lee, I believe, is in the film. So that was another one. I mean, it was. I think it was like right after she was getting out of, uh, of uh, pornography. But um, yeah. I um she was in it too. So it's just so weird, man. It's weird how everything came together for this guy and he just makes a total kind of trash movie. Yeah. So that uh, yeah, the tones the tones off in it where I I don't know, it's fine if you have this angry protagonist, but the the whole movie's kind of just ugly. You're you're totally right with it and it uh 
the, the SOV aesthetic definitely doesn't help that. If you're not into SOV, watching Hell Roller is not going to convince you to, yeah, uh, to get on board. Is, it's, is, you know, SOV, when you're filming a, a movie on VHS, you're already limiting yourself to, you know, the, the camera work, the sound, so many things. So when you're making something, you want to be... You want to be you want to be it to be as good as possible. You want your camera angles, you want your shots, you want everything to at least try. Looks like you're trying. It does not. It looks like they filmed Hell Roller on every first take they had. Yeah. And pieced it together. And that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like anybody actually tried with the movie. And hence why I believe the director only made Hell Roller and that's it. You know what would be amazing, Brad? Yeah. Is if here today, tonight, we paired Hellroller, a film that you say did not try at all, with a, a film also shot on video that tries. Yes. Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's, and, you know, I think that's, you know, I was a little afraid of pairing these uh, films up because I believe one outperforms the other in different ways, but it also shows you that this, uh, what we're getting into, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, uh, Suffer Little Children was a uh, student film. And uh, most of the actors are not actors. Uh, So that goes to show you that something that has mainly, you know, even established people in front of the camera and, you know, filmed in LA I guess at the time I don't even know it was filmed I think it was filmed in LA Hell Roller? Yeah Oh absolutely yeah but Suffer Little Children which of course we're kind of dancing around right now that that's our the first movie that we've talked about on this show at least that was shot in the UK Yeah on, it, on yeah, video. in England yeah. yeah and I don't know it's just yeah I've seen so much um, you know and, and you can bring Blonde Death into this too. Uh, Blonde Death doesn't do anything unique with the camera angles, but Blonde Death is pretty much a hundred percent dialogue-driven movie, and it's not boring, and it's twice as long as Hell Roller. Yeah, and it feels like there's more talking in Hell Roller than there is Blonde Death, just because it doesn't move. Like, it, like even the editing and and the scenes that are put together, it just doesn't move, and. Um, yeah, it, it really goes to show you that, you know, even though people look at SO, you know, a lot of people look down on SOV because it's, you know, not real film. Um, it really goes to show you that a filmmaker can make something substantial even with its limitations. So. Oh, absolutely. And l- let's jump right into it. 1983's Suffer Little Children.
So, Suffer Little Children is the first movie that uh, that I think would qualify as a non-American production. That no, we've done a fucking Canadian movie on this show. God damn it, we did a uh, phobe, the xenophobic experiments from Canada. But uh, this is definitely <laughs> the first one from over the pond, uh, uh, quote unquote, foreign film, not foreign language, but foreign uh, from the UK. Suffer Little Children. Um, and something I want to point out right away that uh, I, I looked it up online. I didn't see anybody else really commenting on this, but something that stuck out to me was uh, just the aesthetic of this particular SOV. I was like, oh, it looks a little bit more like eight millimeter. It looks a little bit closer to like, uh, you know, 16. And I, I was thinking about it and the, the frame rate for PAL VHS is closer to 24 frames a second than it is to 30 frames a second, which would be that NTSC uh, VHS, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you look at Suffer Little Children, I think even though it does look shot on video, it does look closer to a film format just because of the frame rate. And I actually think that that, that's something that plays into getting the viewer more on the, the side of the aesthetic, especially if, they're not uh, on board with SOV to begin with. Yellow ball. I got the yellow ball. Huh. Oh, all right. I think I ate the most balls there. So, so why are we using Hungry Hungry Hippos to demonstrate anything? Well, we're going to get into frame rate. Our cameras have the ability to be set at different frame rates, and that's what Todd's going to explain. So what are the different frame rates we're going to be working with? The general frame rates that everybody's going to find in their cameras is 24 frames per second, 30 frames per second, and 60 frames per second. So what you're saying is that at 24 frames, we have literally 24 individual still images and 30. There are 60 still frames that all make up the video. That's exactly right. So what is that giving us? 24 frames per second is going to give you that cinematic film look. It's going to give you a motion blur. We've all grown up watching movies shot at 24 frames per second, and a lot of guys tend to gravitate towards 24 frames just to imitate that look. So that gives you a certain look that may be good for one thing, but maybe 30 is better for something else. 30 frames is going to give us a more realistic look. There's actually more frames there capturing more action, but it's going to give you that video look. So it's something similar to what we saw in the in the 80s and 90s when my mom had her Betamax. Or even like a newscast. Even, even your iPhones, I believe, they shoot at 30 frames per second. It's definitely going to look a little more real. You're catching more frames per second, so you're capturing a little more motion. It's going to look a little cleaner, a little crisper. Your, your, uh, your sporting events might be shot at 30 frames per second. But it doesn't, it doesn't have that feel. It doesn't give you that cinematic look that a lot of people like to have. All right, so then 60 frames a second. 60 frames per second, for what our purposes are, is going to be used for slow motion. But there's a lot in Suffer Little Children right from the get-go that let you know this motherfucker's shot on video. We're talking boarding house-style uh, intertitles, right? <laughs> With the, uh, yeah. the, com- the computer font or... Um, you know how some of those uh, SOVs that we've talked about they'll blood do the... Uh, yeah, Blood Cult. Or, yeah, yeah, Blood Cult. Yeah, yeah, no, ex- exactly. Perfect. But um, but man, Suffer Little Children. I- I'm so glad you brought up Blonde Death because this is probably uh, one of the top two SOVs well, that I've seen in my, my life that I love is, is, as much as I do. Blonde Death, of course, being the uh, the top. That's my best picture if we're doing the, the SOV Oscars. But um, Suffer Little Children, 
this thing fucking like bangs. This is a banger. Yeah, I think uh, for one, the I think the score for the film with the kids it just kind of aimlessly wandering around and uh, just. I mean, it's really, you can tell the kids are not actors, and it's just them, like, in a room talking. Um, and yes, I, I, I will admit, the first time watching Suffer Little Children, which was actually not that long ago, because this film was uh, uh, pretty much unavailable everywhere. Um, so the first time I actually got to see it is when Intervision put out this DVD, and I, I heard about the film, and I was really excited to watch it, and I put it in, and... I honestly, I wasn't impressed. I was like, man, this is just, like, I can't really hear what the kids are saying. It's obviously uh, not part of the story. Um, but I got more and more into it because of the score. And kind of, it, it felt like the film was heading in a darker direction. And there was a couple scenes that, you know, I was like, oh shit, you know, here we go. And then it would tone down a little bit. But... And I'll say this, is that this film is 100% worth it to sit through the probably, you know, I mean, it's not boring for like 50 minutes. It's it's actually, you know, it's, it's I would say it's a tad boring at times, but there are a couple sequences that are a lot of fun. But the last 20 minutes of this movie is absolutely fucking insane. Right, and, and you're talking about the last 20 minutes of a one hour and 15 minute movie. Yeah, so, yeah, it's 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 fairly yeah. short. So sure, um, but those last 20 minutes, like it is so worth it to um, to watch. And you know, I know that sounds funny saying a film is like that. You know, oh, the, you know, you just have to sit through, but the payoff is worth it, and. This is not a shot on video movie that I'm about to bring up. This is just something uh, that kind of hit the uh, internet lately, and it's it, I think it's got a Blu-ray release in the UK. We're um, talking about Green Book. Nope. Um, oh. But it's called One Cut of the Dead. <laughs> それ。それ。はい、カット。and it's a uh, it's a Japanese uh, horror film um, comedy um, and I was it was presented to me like that it said, you know, the movie's in three acts. The first act is kind of interesting. It falls flat for the second act, but it's all on purpose to set up for the third. 
So I'm watching this movie. I'm an hour in, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck, man? I'm not really digging this. It was kind of funny at times, and then it just kind of drifted off. And, man, the third act of One Cut of the Dead is glorious. 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 Yeah. Perfect. And you're like, oh, shit, now I get it. Like, I'll sit through that movie again because I know what it's leading up to. And, therefore, One Cut of the Dead is Suffer Little Children, and Suffer Little Children is One Cut of the Dead. Um. Yeah, I movie. mean, that's probably a more apt uh, comparison. I was thinking of the old standby that uh, horror fans like to go with, which is Audition, where you're watching basically a romantic comedy for the first like hour and ten minutes. Glorious. And then the last 20 minutes of it, you're just like, what the fuck is this terrifying, weird, weirdo shit? that's uh, happening sunshine would be another one sure yeah yeah, yeah. you know which even sunshine was marketed as kind of the end of the world movie and then it's like glorious wait a second there's a serial killer involved on another ship what like what the fuck um uh, spoiler alert but i i enjoy when films do that i mean if you sat down and you watch from dusk till dawn you know you're like oh man this is a pretty rad you know kind of you know, low-key gangster movie, and then it just turns out to be fucking vampires. Like, you know, not the same as Suffer Little Children. We're talking, you know, uh, uh, something way, way different here. But Suffer Little Children does that same thing to where it's like, oh, all right, I don't know why people are talking about this movie, and then once it fucking erupts, glorious. I mean, that's what it does. I mean, this movie... And the thing is, is they're kids, too. So, um, the majority of children in this movie were uh, from... what They were from a home, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, what was the... It was... Uh, was it a, uh, like an orphanage in real life? Yeah, it was uh, Professor Xavier's Home for Gifted Mutants. Glorious. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought I saw, uh, you know, Jeze- or Jezebel or Jubilee or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> so, Jezebel. So, so most of the, 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 the people in this film were not actors. It was just kids. So once it starts, a, like, fucking blood just starts spurting out everywhere. People are getting stabbed left and right. Um, it gets relatively bloody, and the last battle is glorious takes a different toll of the film it's like it kind of comes out of nowhere and yeah that's what makes suffer little children so great is because it takes its time and i don't wouldn't say the whole movie's boring i would just say at times like you kind of don't know what you're watching but yeah, once I you would, watch well, I would... it I would, I would, I would make the comparison, Brad, a little bit more akin to another Severin release, because uh, of course, Suffer Little Children is Intervision. Oh, I know what which you're is... going to say. Oh, you're going to say Severin because I was going to say another Intervision movie that um, oh. I would say uh, Death by Love. Oh yeah, no, we talked about Death by Love for sure, but no, I was actually going to make it uh, tie it in more to a kid-centric movie, which would be Severin's release of Kathy's Curse. <laughs> Kathy was nine years old when she became an unholy terror. Kathy's 
curse. Look into her eyes and feel fear. Would such a lovable child strike such terror into those who love her? My wife just had another attack. Don't make her angry, or Kathy will strike back and drive you right out of your mind. To the madhouse, the butler scared to death. I threw Nanny out the window. Now three of us are left. My daddy, my dolly, and me. 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 Look into her eyes. She has the power to terrorize. My daddy? My dolly? And me, me, me. Kathy's curse. Okay, yeah, yeah, where, I, I could see that too. Where I could see someone arguing that like parts of Kathy's curse is boring, but then when you go back and rewatch the whole thing, you're like, oh, right, yeah, that's I, what we were playing with at the time. I get it. And, and I'll say that when I first watched Suffer Little Children, I was like, man, what the fuck is all the fuss about? I'm actually a little bored. Um, and then after it ended, I was like, man, that is fucking great. And I've watched it a few times, uh, since then, this thing's been released for maybe about a year, year and a half now. And I've probably watched this film like maybe three or four times and it gets better for me because I know what's coming. I know what's I to anticipate and I can enjoy other parts of the film now because I know what it's leading up to. So not too many films can do that. It's very rare that a film can redeem itself um, completely. And, you know, may, I always said that, like, sometimes there's movies where the first act and second act are kind of like, oh, it's fine. But that third act makes the whole film glorious. And the first yeah. two acts, may, it doesn't change anything. I mean, it's still the same movie. But you're, the anticipation and knowing what's going to happen... Um, I, I think that really does a lot, and I think Suffer Children does it perfectly because it it gets really extreme towards the end, and you don't. And that's the other thing is you don't expect it, even with the warning, like "Hey, this movie gets a little crazy at the end." You still don't know what you're in for because it really does get fucking nutty. Um, and it, I think it's I think it's great because these kids are not actors, so that's another factor. Is that it might be a little bit relatively boring, but at the same time, these kids are really good uh, for for not being in any movies and actually not know what's going on. It's a, like a student project, um, so it, it's very interesting to to watch. Even when the band comes in and they're talking to the band, it's Apparently, you know, the fucking Justin Bieber of, like, rock or something. I don't know. And then yeah, it's it like the, the Sting. I think he's, like, Sting at the time. Sting? Is that what it's supposed to be? I don't I think I think so. Like, he's a British uh, pop rocker. He kind of... Or maybe, like, a Billy Idol. I don't know. 
A Billy Idol. Yeah, okay, I can see I can see Billy Idol. I think I think that's a good comparison. You know, I'd say one out of thirty kids in my high school had a Billy Idol look going to him. He's the kind of guy the fellows were allowed to listen to, and the girls were allowed to be in love with. Just something about Billy Idol hanging on a plane, knocking back champagne, and uh, getting involved with my love life. Everybody thought that would be fun. <laughs> the day I met him, I met his son. And I just saw a dad hanging out with his kid and, and having a good time. Then in later that day, I was playing guitar in my trailer, and he was jamming along and singing. I was like, oh, yeah, he's also Billy Idol. He's good. He's good, a good guitar player and a good singer and a good dude. He's got a lot of goodness. <laughs> you don't ever think, I bet that guy's afraid to do this. He seems like a Lou anything and uh that's very admirable yeah let's do let's do a quick rundown of the plot though because i think we've uh we've danced around it uh, a little bit and we've also said that hey maybe parts of the, the beginning of the movie are boring but i think if we really laid out the uh the narrative folks would be like no i'm i'm into that so honestly in the first what two minutes of the movie a little girl arrives at the the Elizabeth, front doorstep yeah. Elizabeth at the front doorstep of uh, an orphanage holding a note that says, hi, my name is Elizabeth. I'm a mute. I can't talk or write or whatever. Um, but you can, but can you take care of me? And it's so also, course, and I think it's also they like shove her off. Is like, I think she'd be better, better off in your, uh, you know, home or with you. So right. she's basically yeah. pawned off, um, you know, from whoever leaving this right. note. And we have a couple like wasp uh, people that run the orphanage that have bleeding hearts, and they're like, absolutely. And like, how could you not? A girl that cute shows up on your doorstep that says, "I I can't do things for myself. In I'd be better off here." Like, of course you're going to take her in, right? And she happens to come the same uh, couple of days that this popular uh, pop star is going to come by, who used to be a member of the orphanage, and he's coming by to meet the girls and the staff. And, and whatnot, and it, I think it's a great little um, uh, build of their characters, because I, I do feel, more so than other SOV movies, except for Blonde Death, where I feel we really get uh, some character development, or even like Boarding House, I feel like we get some, some more character development than usual. But we get to understand the staff of the, the orphanage, particularly the two folks that run it, and of course Elizabeth um, herself. And Brad, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of uh, it's dialogue heavy. There's a lot of uh, chattering, you know, going on amongst the girls. And you said you didn't know necessarily what they were saying, but it didn't matter because you could kind of, you know, get their vibe. I would say this: it's an Intervision DVD. Whoever does the subtitles oh God, at Intervision, yes. they're is amazing. The, the most amazing fucking person working in the DVD market right now. Put on those subtitles. It's inner vision. Put on the fucking subtitles. I didn't do that, man. I've oh, watched this movie bro. like four times and I've not done that. Because we always talk about <laughs> how they're so good and funny. They are. Yeah. Oh, oh, there was wistful guitar, you know. There was girls chattering. There was like frightening giggling. Oh, it, it was, it's good shit. Giggling. And then That's of great. course, of course, when we get the... Uh, when we get the reveal that Elizabeth, the, the mute girl that shows up at the orphanage, um, she's possessed by a demon 
or Satan, Ooh, right? So yeah, it is Satan. Yes, Satan. Yeah. Himself. So yeah, so she, she's uh, she's a mutant, uh, a mutant, and she shows up at Xavier's <laughs> school. Um, but yeah, so when she shows up, there's a few things that start to happen, like little creepy things, and that's where I was saying that that the whole film is talking. There's a couple other moments in the film where, where like you know, the kid that falls down the stairs. Um, uh, there's that scene with zombies again. Uh huh. That kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but it, it basically, it's her uh, with her powers, and then she slowly um, possesses, or you could say that she uh, makes these other kids kind of her um, glorious pawns. Right. She converts them to the cult. Yep. This demonic cult. And when you, it all builds up, and then uh, if you have the devil, you gotta have the other guy. Um, do you believe in God? I believe. I believe. You do? I believe in God. Oh, I believe in God. <laughs> you do? Oh, I believe in God. <laughs> do you? I believe in God. And that's where it gets fucking crazy. Yeah. This this is one that I would pair. I said it earlier. I, I, I would rather pair it with a non-SOV movie. Something like uh, Severn's release of Kathy's Curse. Or I would do... There's a beautiful Synapse DVD of um, Manos, The Hands of Fate. And, and, you know, Manos is one that's often talked about as just being a bad movie or Mystery Science Theater made it popular for being goofy or whatever. But really, when you sit and watch Manos in like a very clear 16 millimeter uh, uh, projection or high def transfer, you, you can't get absorbed in that world because of the music and the performances where you're really wrapped into this uh, wife cult, you know. And I, I think this would be a fun one to pair with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree. I wouldn't pair it with another SOV, um, and a, and a cool thing with um, with 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 this film as well with the with the special features is they actually got um, you know the the director to talk about uh, the film and also because of the violence in it it was banned. Um, I it, they talk about it almost making the video nasties. But it got pulled so quickly that um, it never made it to the video nasties. Is what I'm guessing, because I don't remember right. this being on the video nasties list. No, I, it, no, it wasn't. And actually, they used a lot of the controversy around the the to, film to, to kind of promote it. Yeah, to kind of like yeah, retroactively promote it. And if you go onto YouTube or if you go, don't go onto YouTube. Fuck that. Only use YouTube for Hell Roller. Go onto Severin's <laughs> website. Go to their Intervision imprint. Go to the Suffer Little Children page, and then watch the trailer there. Okay, do it that way. Get get Severin some clicks um, before you buy the movie, of course. Yeah, and but there's watch... also uh, an inter- interview with um, with uh, with uh, I believe a um, maybe a uh, journalist at the time who who gives the uh, gives kind of the breakdown of basically what we're talking about of how they use this to promote the film and right. how it was yeah. apparently a real thing. And, you know, these kids were never heard from again and the parents were very upset. 
Um, so yeah, it has this kind of very small story behind it. And it was uh, kind of crazy, like how it did get banned and then got pulled. And then it just never heard from again for a long time. And it was just known as this movie that was really tough, uh, to see. And it was the copies were even scarce. Um, I believe, uh, I believe that, uh, Viva VHS, uh, Dale Lloyd, who is in the in the UK? He's actually the one that supplied uh, a copy of the film uh, for for the transfer because the the masters are all gone. Even the director, I believe, didn't have a copy of the film. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and I believe uh, Viva VHS, who's not very active on Twitter anymore, but he's a very well known uh, collector of all sorts of uh, crazy tapes. And yeah, I believe his. Uh, I want to say that was the case. His his uh, his tape was used as the mass uh, well transfer for this. I was gonna say though, if you're on the fence, you're still like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to see this movie that Mike and Brad really love, and it probably only costs fifteen dollars on DVD, and it wouldn't set me back more than say one meal out at Red Robin. Look, go to the Severin website. It's also and region the- free. Yeah, well. it's region don't, free. Don't forget that. Watch, but watch the trailer and and pause it on these things that Brad just talked about. Because in the trailer, they show you the actual newspaper clippings from uh, the release of the film, and you you'll get a sense that this was a film that was kind of sort of not really being marketed as the the Blair Witch of its day. Like here are things that actually happened to these kids. But the funny thing is, the the first title card of the movie tells you. This film takes place in 1984, which would have been a year after the movie was released. So that kind of makes it almost uh, Texas Chainsaw style, right? Don't they don't they date Texas Chainsaw after the release of the film? I believe so. I right. You're you're pulling some knowledge on me that I I haven't really paid attention to, but that's very interesting. Mm. I want to I want to pull some other things on you though, buddy. Glorious. Damn, son. I'm talking about the penis. Oh, shit, bro. Um, I like that. But, um, yeah, I think Suffer Little Children's a, a good addition um, to uh, addition to the SOV um, realm and SOV lifestyle. So if, if you enjoy craziness, this is, this is definitely for you. Um, I always get a little... I don't know. It always bugs me when these when 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 people watch SOV and they watch it like they're watching, um, you know, fucking Fassbender or something. Like you're not gonna get you're you're not getting the revolution of cinema, and people take these things so seriously. And it's just like you have to like you have to like I I I don't. I probably... Hold on, but Fa- but Fassbender shot some on video though too. He would do those German TV epics. Sehen Sie hier, hier. Seidenstrümpfe. Fleischfarbene. Sind Sie nicht hübsch? Yeah, jetzt. Was, but, I don't know. All right. Whatever. <laughs> well, what I was saying is that you know when when I watch a movie, I I watch a movie for for what it is. I'm not. Comp- I don't try to compare it to anything. Um, I'm not saying, well, it's not as good as this, or, you know, this SOV was better. Um, this is poorly made, so I don't like it. Like, I, I sit there and I watch the film for what it was. So, you know, if it's a shot on video movie from Mexico, 
that has, uh, you know, everything's limited for when it was made over there. It gives the Esther shot of video movies from Mexico. Um, you know, I, I, I try to watch the film in, in that place and time. Like, you know, that movie was made for this person at this time. Um, you know, I think people need to give to give those things a break. So stop being so hard on SOV movies, man. Like, in, in, enjoy them. Like, pretend your friends are making them in your backyard. And then they're showing you. Like, you would be impressed. If your kid came to you with Suffer Little Children and said, Hey, we made this at daycare. You'd, you'd be, fucking holy fucking shit, this is amazing. You'd lock them up. You'd say, get the <laughs> fuck out of my house. You know, you'd watch and be like, man, this is fucking great. You know, if Scorsese said, hey, this is my new movie, you'd be like, what the fuck you doing, man? This that's is- true. Yo, Brett, but that's true, though, man, because, like, when David Lynch, like, pivoted towards video or, like, mini DV or when Spike Lee did that with Bamboozled, you know, you got a bunch of the, the fucking beret-wearing motherfuckers that are like, yeah, that it, no. Well, it's shot on video, but it's also, like, deeper, you know, because of the way he uses it. So, I, I don't know. I would offer the counterpoint that, like, you don't have to, you don't have to change your perspective. Like, a good movie is a good movie. Right, no, that's what I'm saying. You do, you shouldn't yeah. have to change your perspective. And I think, I think what, what I'm saying is that I think too many people watch movies with a mindset that it's going to blow them away or it's going to be the best movie they've ever seen. And um, I just remember a time where we used to just enjoy movies for what no, they were. No, for sure, man. You and know? I'm with you. I'm getting it's a little whole... serious. I, I should need to start cracking jokes on this show. But it's just that's just the place I am right now because I, I see it like everybody just wants to start controversy over every single movie. And it's like, just enjoy, I, I remember a time where I would just pop a movie in and enjoy it. So what I'm saying is, buy the Severin DVD, watch even Hell Roller on, on um, whatever format you could find or site. YouTube. Just because it's heavily unavailable. Um, I, like, I don't even know what happened. With, I don't, well, no one wants it, just because it's not a very good movie. But, um, yeah, and, and watch movies for what they are. And we're going to keep doing this show, I guess, right? Because we like each other and we like doing this show. And I like um, you a lot. I like the show. And we're going to uh, talk about more shot on video movies that uh, that stood out to us. But Plus, we're also going to talk about bad ones, you know, because I, I feel that every movie needs to be talked about and then it's up to you to the make the decision <laughs> if you like the film or not because that's how movies should be uh, um, watched and viewed and don't listen to anybody just hear a movie and write it down and then go check it out yourself make you it sound less. like Smokey the Bear of like bad movies only you can prevent shitty movies <laughs> well it's like one of those things where it's like alright suffer little children uh, I have a long list of movies I want to watch suffer little children's 13 Hell Roller 667. You know? It wow, I see end, what you did there. I see end, what you did there. And end, end, end of the list. So, um, you know, that's just me. Because I don't want anybody to tell me, hey, you shouldn't watch this. That's going to make me want to watch it more, just to spite you. But, um, yeah, watch everything. Enjoy life. Enjoy movies, man. That's what makes it. And plus, you could be you could be passing up the best movie in the world to you by listening to somebody else.
Critics have spoken. Captain Marvel is an origin story like no other. I've never seen anything like her. It's a genuine game changer. The film soars. Get ready for an electrifying new hero. I've been waiting for this moment. Captain Marvel, rated PG-13, now playing. So yeah, um, but yeah, there's special features on the DVD of Suffer Little Children, $15 on Severin. If you don't feel like spending $15, Severin has quite a quite a few sales through the year, and you could probably pick it up for 10 or lower. Um, but other than that, man, like enjoy in, enjoy the movies that we talk about. We will be diving into things that are a little bit harder to find, just because um, you got to remember a lot of shot and video movies only had uh vhs releases and even those were usually uh done by the uh, producers themselves and the filmmakers so those are scarce but we will be diving into um some um more obscure movies so hopefully oh i want to also shout out to um uh can't remember the writer's name now but he wrote a it's like Ends in GG, like cog or jog or bog. GG Allen. GG Allen. He wrote uh, a book called Analog Nightmares. And it's actually a really fun shot on video film. He actually gets his shot on video shit right, where he doesn't add, like, you know, 8mm and 16mm films. Um, but he dives into pretty much every, like, a lot of films. I would say he covers at least 85, 90% of shot on video movies out there. Um, so yeah, p- pick it up. It's actually fairly cheap. It was like $15, $16 when I picked it up, and it's a fairly thick book. Um, so if you're going to do this SOV ride with us, that's actually a good book to have because it's a nice little starting point. And he just reviews the films and you know basically explains the availability um, of the film as well. So tag along, download the podcast, get the book. There's a couple letterbox uh, lists out there for for films, for shot on video, and let's just fucking blow through these things and enjoy them. But what what do you want to cover next, Mike? Death Nurse 1 and 2. Alright, those were slasher video, right? Uh, Yes, sir. So, um, you can... Jesus Turan. What? Jesus Turan, the guy who runs slasher. I'm, just, yeah, I'm giving a shout out to you know the boy who runs it, man. He's yeah, cool. Yeah, no, no. So Death Nurse, to let people know if you want to follow along, Death Nurse is available on DVD. Oh, it's not a combo. You got to buy them different. Yeah, you have to buy them uh, separate. I, I thought it was a combo myself, but it's not. All right, so Death Nurse um, one and two is nine dollars and ninety five cents on Amazon. You should be able to get them a little bit cheaper, maybe on uh, eBay. But, anyways, so Slasher Video released these through Olive a few years ago. Uh, Slasher had a bunch of uh, films re-released through Olive because I think he was doing his own label. So we will cover Death Nurse 1 and 2 next. uh, Directed by, I believe, Nick Millard, who has done a lot of uh, shot on video movies, um, and you will get into the weirdness. And these movies are short, right? They're like, like under an hour. 
Yeah, they're like an hour each. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, this is the weird case where Death Nurse 2 is actually the better of the two movies. So if you can only pony up for... (laughs) So if you can only pony up for one of them, buy Death Nurse 2, actually. (laughs) Or just buy both of them and follow along. Uh, Hopefully they're streaming on Amazon Prime or something, but probably not being at all of so, but don't let Brad shame you if you have like people to feed or if you're on strike like the Oakland uh, Unified School District teachers, you know, like if you can't afford to do it, then just do Death Nurse too. It's better. Just do it. A- actually, just do it. All right. Cool, man. All right. Brad, I love you, man. I love you too, buddy. Uh, and, uh, good good work with everything. Listening to the show and we're yep. back and hopefully we keep this up and we won't have uh, season six come at you in six months but uh with our next episode um our next episode hopefully will be next week um we record so we will catch you later up and ready buddy let's do it all right you've been listening to t-h-e-s-o-v-p-o-d the p-o-d stands for what does it stand for brad what glorious Unsere feinen verwöhnte Dame wie Sie. Das werden Sie ja sehen. Vielleicht an das Eis, ins kalte Pechschwarze Nass, um dann im Frühjahr angespielt zu werden, entstellt bis zur Unkenntlichkeit mit ausgefallenem Haar. Oh yeah!
glorious.